This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast deals with true crime. I will be speaking frankly and openly about crimes such as murder, rape, and sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Sunday, June 12, 1994, approximately sometime around 10 p.m., Los Angeles, California. From what the forensic evidence shows, a lone killer brutally murders a mother of two and her friend-slash-lover. Not at all an unusual case in a city as large as L.A. However, it is the people that are connected to the case and the subsequent trial that makes this case the quote-unquote trial of the century. Tonight, on the True Crime Truckers podcast, I bring you the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Nicole Brown was born May 19, 1959, in Frankfurt, West Germany, to Judith Ann Brown and Louis Hezekiel Brown. Her mother was German and her father was American. Although born in Germany, she was raised in California, going to school in Garden Grove as well as Dana Point. Nicole Brown met O.J. Simpson in 1977 when she was 18 years old and working at a, as a waitress at a Beverly Hills private club called The Daisy. Although Simpson was still married to his first wife, Marguerite, they began dating. He and Marguerite divorced in March of 1979. At the University of Southern California, they have a living legend, and at homecoming, that's all they want to talk about. The name of the legend is O.J. Simpson. Orenthal James, or O.J. Simpson, was born July 9, 1947, in San Francisco, California. He was a standout running back. He won the Heisman Trophy while attending USC. In 1969, he was drafted first overall by the Buffalo Bills. 
Simpson was one of the best NFL running backs of all time, racking up numerous awards and accolades, including five Pro Bowl appearances. He was also the first running back to top 2,000 yards in a single season. He played 11 seasons with the NFL before retiring in 1979. Simpson was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1985, his first year of eligibility. In the 1970s, he began his acting career, with such notable credits as Roots and The Towering Inferno. However, he may be most remembered for his car rental commercials, as well as his role in the Naked Gun trilogy. When you throughout the nation, as hurts the superstar, we got the winning combination, super people, super cars, making that extra effort to meet your special needs. Getting you in, getting you out with super speed. Hurts the superstar in rent a car. Hurts the superstar in rent a car. You know it. He also did color commentary for Monday Night Football from 1983 to 1985. Well, Jim, if the Bills were happy with the first half, they certainly didn't show it. Very somber group of guys coming in. There was no talk about great first half. No talk about one more half. No talk at all. Each player were tied into their own thoughts. They seem to be saying to themselves, we're going to talk and celebrate when this game is over. As far as Pete Metzler's is concerned, he hurt his shoulder. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not separated. But tight end uh, coach Don Johnson said that he didn't think that he would play in the second half. That's the story over here, Will, what's happening with the Cowboys. I'm going to switch gears now and talk about the other player in this case, Ron Goldman. I feel that when people look at this case, Ronald seems to be an afterthought. Ronald Lyle, or Ron Goldman, was born July 2, 1968, in Cook County, Illinois. He grew up in the community of Buffalo Grove, Illinois, near Chicago. His parents divorced in 1974 when he was six, and after spending a brief time in the custody of his mother, Sharon, he was raised by his father, Fred Goldman, and lived with him as well as his younger sister, Kim. He attended high school at Adalia E. Stevenson High School in Lincolnshire, Illinois. He was a student at Illinois State University for one semester, where he majored in psychology. He followed his family to Southern California at age 18. While living in Los Angeles, Goldman took some classes at Pierce College. Goldman told his friends that he wanted to open a bar or a restaurant in the Brentwood area. He wanted to learn all facets of the restaurant business. According to the LA Times, Goldman probably met Brown six weeks before they were killed, when he borrowed her Ferrari. They grew increasingly close, accompanying each other to dance clubs and meetings for coffee and dinner during the month and a half before they died.
O.J. Simpson and Nicole Brown were married on February 2, 1985, five years after Simpson's retirement from professional football. The couple had two children, Sidney Brooks Simpson, born 1985, and Justin Ryan Simpson, born 1988. Their marriage lasted seven years, during which time Simpson was investigated multiple times by police for domestic violence and pleaded no contest to spousal abuse in 1989. Brown filed for divorce on February 25, 1992, citing irreconcilable differences. Still, the abuse continued. Brown called 911 October 25, 1993, crying and saying that Simpson is, quote, going to beat the shit out of me, unquote. Can you get someone over here now to 325 Gretna Green? He's back. Please. Well, okay, what does he look like? He's O.J. Simpson. I think you know his record. Could you just send somebody okay. over here? Okay, what is he doing there? He just drove up again. He just drove up. over. Okay, wait a minute. What kind of car is he in? He's in a white Bronco, but first of all, he broke the back door down to get in. Okay, <laughs> wait a minute. What's your name? Nicole Simpson. Okay, is he the sportscaster or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Thank what is, you. Wait a minute. We're sending the police. What is he doing? Is he threatening you? I'm going nuts. Okay. Has he threatened you in any way, or or is he just harassing you? You're gonna hear him in a minute. He's about to come in again. Okay. Just stay on the line. I don't want to stay on the line. He's gonna beat the shit. Wait a minute. Wait. Just stay on the line so we can know what's going on until the police get there. Okay. Okay, Nicole. Uh huh. Just a moment. Does he have any weapons? I don't know. Okay. He went home and now he's back. Okay. The kids are up there sleeping and I don't want anything to happen. Okay. Has he hit you today or no? No. Okay. You don't need any paramedics or anything? Uh-uh. Okay. You just want him to leave? my door. He broke the whole back door in. And then he left and he came back? And he came and he practically knocked my upstairs door down, but he pounded it and then he... I screamed and hollered, and I tried to get him out of the bedroom because the kids were sleeping in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he wanted somebody's phone number, and I gave him my phone book, and was gonna, or I gave, put my phone book down to write, mm-hmm. to write down the phone number that he wanted, and mm-hmm. then he took my phone book with all my stuff in it. What? What does he say? What else? Just stay on the line, okay? Is he upset with something that you did? Oh, a long time ago, it always comes back. I'm going to go through the timeline of the events from June 12th to June 13th. 4 o'clock p.m. Nicole Brown Simpson and O.J. Simpson, along with Nicole's family, attend a dance recital for O.J. and Nicole's daughter. 6.30 p.m. Nicole Brown Simpson, her children, and several others go to dinner at the Mezzaluna restaurant. 8 p.m. Nicole Brown Simpson and her children leave Mezzaluna and stop for ice cream on the way home. 9.15. One of Nicole Brown Simpson's sisters, 
calls Mezzaluna to say that Nicole's mother had left her glasses at the restaurant. Ronald Goldman volunteers to return the glasses. 9 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Cato Kalin, a friend staying in the guest house at O.J. Simpson's home, and Simpson go to McDonald's for dinner. 9.45, Kalin and Simpson return home. 9.48 to 9.50 p.m. Goldman leaves the restaurant with a white envelope containing the glasses. 10.15 p.m. While watching television, Pablo Fenevis, a neighbor of Nicole Brown Simpson, hears the cries and constant barking of a dog. 10.25 p.m. Limo driver Alan Park arrives at the Simpson home. 10.30 p.m. Stephen Schwab, who lived in Nicole Brown Simpson's neighborhood, comes across an Akita dog with bloody paws while walking his own dog. The dog followed him home and wouldn't go back where Schwab found him. 10.40 p.m. Kaylin hears three loud thumps on the outside wall of his room. 10.40 to 10.50 p.m. Park buzzes the intercom several times but does not get any response. 10.55 p.m. Park calls his boss and tells him Simpson is not home. He is told to wait until 11.15 since Simpson is always late. Shortly before 11 p.m., Park sees a black person, 6 feet tall, 200 pounds, walking across the driveway towards the house. About 11 p.m., Kaylin goes to the front of the house to check on the noise. He sees the limo driver at the gate. Several seconds later, Park again buzzes the intercom and Simpson answers. He says he has overslept and has just gotten out of the shower. 11 p.m. to 11.15 p.m. Simpson puts his bags in the limousine. 11.15 p.m. Limousine leaves for Los Angeles Airport. 11.35 p.m. Limousine arrives at airport. 11.45 p.m. Simpson leaves on an American Airlines flight to Chicago. 12.05 a.m. Sakura Bozetti and Benita Rasmussen come across the Akita dog. They decided to follow the dog, who was barking and agitated. 12.10 a.m. The bodies of Nicole Simpson and Ronald Goldman are discovered outside of her townhouse. About 5 a.m., Detectives Mark Furman and Philip Venatter arrive at Simpson's house. 5.15 to 5.30 a.m., the detectives examine an apparent blood stain on Simpson's Ford Bronco. 5.40 a.m. to 5.50 a.m., Detective Furman decides to jump the wall in order for police to get inside the estate. Once on the grounds, the detectives awaken Simpson's daughter, Arnell, who is staying in the guest house. She takes a police to the house and telephones Kathy Renata, her father's longtime assistant. 7 a.m. to 7.30 a.m., Detective Venatter declares the area a crime scene and goes to get a warrant to search the house.
These are the commonly accepted facts of the actual murder. Ron Goldman went to Nicole Brown Simpson's Brentwood condo to return the glasses that her mother left at the restaurant. He arrived around 10 p.m. He rang the front gate, at which time Nicole came out of the house to let Ron in. She left the front door slightly ajar. They were talking on the front steps when the assailant attacked them from behind. He strikes Goldman hard on the right side of his head with his left fist, knocking him unconscious. Goldman falls to the bottom of the stairs. He then strikes Nicole in the left side of the face with the butt of the knife, causing her to strike the right side of her head against a wall, knocking her unconscious. The assailant then goes back to Goldman, jamming the knife in at the base of his skull and using it to lift him to his feet. He then stabs him in the heart, hitting him in the left torso. Then another stabbing upward under the rib cage. Then another under the opposite side of the ribs. The assailant then spins him around, stabbing him twice in the thigh before letting him fall, striking the fence with the back part of his head as he falls. He then goes back to Nicole, and again using the knife at the base of her skull to bring her to her feet. He administers three shallow cuts to her neck before the final deep cut across her throat. The larynx could be seen through the gaping wound in her neck, and the vertebra C3 was incised. Her head remained barely attached to the body. Brown had been stabbed multiple times in the head and neck, and she had defensive wounds on her hands. In Los Angeles, Mark, what's the latest? Well, Bobby, aside from a few visits from friends today, it's been fairly quiet and activity outside the Simpson household has been fairly minimal. He's been secluded here since Monday when he returned from an interrogation from the Los Angeles Police Department. Police continue and police will continue to investigate the brutal slaying of Simpson's ex-wife, Nicole Simpson, and her friend, 25-year-old Ronald Goldman, who was a local waiter. Susan Forward, who counseled Nicole Simpson and who also appeared on the Sonia Live program last hour, said that Nicole Simpson came to her on two occasions and told the counselor that she was being battered and terrorized by the former NFL football star. Both victims had been dead for about two hours prior to being discovered by the police. Robert Risk, one of the first two officers on the scene, found a single bloody glove among other evidence. Detectives went to Simpson's Brentwood estate to inform him that his ex-wife had been murdered. Detective Mark Furman climbed over the external wall and unlocked the gate to allow the other three detectives to enter as well. The detectives entered without a search warrant out of fear that Simpson might have been injured also. Simpson was not present when the detectives arrived early that morning. He had taken a flight to Chicago late the previous night. Detectives briefly interviewed Brian Cato Kalin, who was staying in Simpson's guest house. In a walk around of the premises, Furman discovered a second bloody glove. It was later determined to be the match of the glove found at the murder scene. Through DNA testing, the blood on this one was determined to have come from both victims. This, together with the evidence collected at both scenes, was determined to be probable cause enough to issue an arrest warrant for Simpson. CNN's Mark Watts joins us now from Los Angeles with the latest. Mark, hello. 
Good morning, Donna. All is quiet outside the home of O.J. Simpson here in West Los Angeles. But as you said, once again, for the third day, published reports indicate the case is possibly building against O.J. Simpson. The Los Angeles Times reports that blood samples taken from the murder scene match the blood type of O.J. Simpson. Naming unidentified sources, the Times says O.J. Simpson's blood type is different than that of the two victims. This preliminary matching test, however, is not definitive. DNA testing, which is far more conclusive and accurate, DNA testing which can match blood samples taken from two locations with almost 100% accuracy has not been conducted. Such results would not be available for at least two months. Yesterday, O.J. Simpson joined members of his family and members of Nicole Simpson's family at a visitation for Nicole Simpson's body in Laguna Hills, California. Lawyers convinced LAPD to allow Simpson to turn himself in at 11 a.m. on June 17, 1994. Although the double murder charge meant that no bail would be set and a first-degree murder conviction could result in the death penalty, more than 1,000 reporters waited for Simpson at the police station, but he did not arrive. We've uh, spoken several times today regarding this matter. This is David Gascon from the LAPD, the Los Angeles Police Department, talking about the two Los counts Angeles of murder Police that have been filed against O.J. Simpson. investigation, which included interviews of dozens of witnesses, a thorough examination and analysis of the physical evidence, both here and in Chicago, sought and obtained a warrant for the arrest of O.J. Simpson charging him with the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Lyle Goldman. Mr. Simpson, in agreement with his attorney, was scheduled to surrender this morning to the Los Angeles Police Department. Initially, that was 11 o'clock. It then became 11.45. Mr. Simpson, has not appeared. The Los Angeles Police Department right now is actively searching for Mr. Simpson. At 2 p.m., the LAPD issued an all-points bulletin. At 5 p.m., Robert Kardashian, a friend of Simpson's and one of his defense lawyers, read a letter by Simpson to the media. This letter was written by O.J. today. To whom it may concern. First, everyone understand I had nothing to do with Nicole's murder. I loved her, always have, and always will. If we had a problem, it's because I, love her. I loved her so much. Recently, we came to the understanding that for now, we were not right for each other, at least for now. Despite our love, we were different, and that's why we mutually agreed to go our separate ways. It was tough splitting for a second time but we both knew it was for the best. Inside, I had no doubt 
that in the future we would be close friends or more. Unlike what has been written in the press, Nicole and I had a great relationship for most of our lives together. Like all long-term relationships, we had a few downs and ups. I took the heat New Year's 1989 because that's what I was supposed to do. I did not plead no contest for any other reason but to protect our privacy and was advised it would end the press hype. I don't want to belabor knocking the press but I can't believe what is being said. Most of it is totally made up. I know you have a job to do, but as a last wish, please, please, please leave my children in peace. Their lives will be tough enough. I want to send my love and thanks to all my friends. I'm sorry I can't name every one of you especially AC. Man, thanks for being in my life. The support and friendship I received from so many, Wayne Hughes, Lewis Marks, Frank Olson, Mark Packer, Bender, Bobby Kardashian. I wish we had spent more time together in recent years. My golfing buddies, us, Alan Austin, Mike, Craig, Bender, Weiler, Sandy, Jay, Donnie, thanks for the fun. All my teammates over the years, Reggie, you were soul of my pro career. Ahmad, I never stop being proud of you. Marcus, you got a great lady in Catherine, don't mess it up. Bobby Chandler, thanks for always being there. Skip and Kathy, I love you guys. Without you, I never would have made it through this far. Marguerite, thanks for the early years. We had some fun. Paula, what can I say? You are special. I'm sorry, I'm not going to have, we're not going to have our chance. God brought you to me. I now see as I leave, you'll be in my thoughts. I think of my life and feel I've done most of the right things. So why do I end up like this? I can't go on. No matter what the outcome, people will look and point. I can't take that. I can't subject my children to that. This way, they can move on and go on with their lives. Please, if I've done anything worthwhile in my life, let my kids live in peace from you, the press. I've had a good life. I'm proud of how I lived. My mama taught me to do unto others. I treated people the way I wanted to be treated. I've always tried to be up and helpful. So why is this happening? I'm sorry for the Goldman family. 
I know how much it hurts. Nicole and I had a good life together. All this press talk about a rocky relationship was no more than that, than, I'm sorry, no more than what every long-term relationship experiences. All her friends will confirm that I have been totally loving and understanding of what she's been going through. At times, I have felt like a battered husband or boyfriend, but I loved her. Make that clear to everyone, and I would take whatever it took to make it work. Don't feel sorry for me. I've had a great life, great friends. Please think of the real OJ and not this lost person. Thanks for making my life special. I hope I helped yours. Peace and love, OJ. Simpson's lawyer, Robert Shapiro, was present at Kardashian's press conference and said that Simpson's psychiatrist agreed with the suicide note interpretation. Through television, Shapiro appealed to Simpson to surrender. At around 6.20 p.m., a motorist in Orange County notified police after seeing Simpson riding in a white Ford Bronco that was being driven by his longtime friend, Al A.C. Cowlings. The police tracked calls placed from Simpson on his cell phone. At 6.45, police officer Ruth Dixon saw the Bronco headed north on Interstate 405. When she caught up to it, Cowlings yelled out that Simpson was in the backseat of the vehicle and had a gun to his own head. The officer backed off, but followed the vehicle at 35 miles an hour, with up to 20 police cars following her in the chase. Highway Patrol. Yeah, um, I think I just saw O.J. Simpson on the uh, 5 freeway. He's heading north. Did you see him? Yeah, we believe so. And we, like, looked at him, you know? Uh-huh. And he, like, stared us down like he was dead. <laughs> Hold on, I got a cop coming here right now. Okay, we'll put it out. Okay, bye. Thanks. More than nine news helicopters eventually joined the pursuit. USC sports announcer Peter Arbogast and station producer Cash Limbach contacted former USC football coach John McKay to go on the air and encourage Simpson to end the pursuit. McKay agreed and asked Simpson to pull over and turn himself in instead of committing suicide. 911, what are you reporting? This is, this is AC. I have OJ in the car. Okay, where are you? Please, I'm coming up the 5 freeway. Okay. Right now, we all we are okay, but you got to tell the police to just back off. He's still alive, but he got a gun to his head. Is everything else okay? Everything right now is okay, officer. Everything is okay. All about, he wants to need to get it to his mom. He wants me to get it to his house. Okay. So that's all I... That's all we have. He got a gun to his head. Okay, and what, what's your name? My name is AC. You know who I am, goddammit. LAPD detective Tom Lang, who had previously interviewed Simpson about the murders on June 13th, realized that he had Simpson's cell phone number and called him repeatedly. A colleague hooked a tape recorder up to Lang's phone and captured a conversation between Lang and Simpson in which Lang repeatedly pleaded with Simpson to throw the gun out the window for the sake of his mother and children. Simpson apologized for not turning himself in earlier that day and responded that he was 
the only one who deserved to get hurt and was just going to go with Nicole. Everybody loves you. Don't do this. I know you're thinking. Oh. Man, just throw it out the window. Oh. Uh, nobody's going to get hurt. I'm the only one that deserves. No, you don't deserve I'm that. Get hurt. You do not deserve to get hurt. You do uh, not deserve to get hurt. Don't do this. All I did was love Nicole. All I did was love her. ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN, as well as local news outlets, interrupted regularly scheduled programming to cover the incident. With an estimated 95 million viewers nationwide, only 90 million had watched that year's Super Bowl. While NBC continued coverage of Game 5 of the NBA Finals between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets at Madison Square Garden, the game appeared in a small box in the corner while Tom Brokaw covered the chase. The chase was covered live by ABC anchors Peter Jennings and Barbara Walters on behalf of the network's five news magazines, which achieved some of their highest ever ratings that week. Thousands of spectators and onlookers packed overpasses along the procession journey, waiting for the white Bronco. In a festival-like atmosphere, many had signs urging Simpson to flee. Sports Illustrated later commented that the chase and the subsequent hoopla was the, quote, Sugarland Express meets the fugitive. Simpson reportedly demanded that he be allowed to speak to his mother before he would surrender. The chase ended at 8 p.m. at his Brentwood estate, 50 miles later, where his son, Jason, ran out of the house, quote, gesturing wildly. 27 SWAT officers awaited. After remaining in the Bronco for about 45 minutes, Simpson was allowed to go inside for about an hour. A police spokesman stated that he spoke to his mother and drank a glass of orange juice. Shapiro arrived, and Simpson surrendered to authorities a few minutes later. In the Bronco, police found $8,000 in cash, a change of clothing, a loaded 357 Magnum, a passport, family pictures, and a fake goatee and mustache. next episode, I will go over the trial and verdict. As always, you can contact me through my email at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group at True Crime Truckers Podcast. See you in two weeks. Until then, stay safe.